Hi, everybody. My name is Rafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Interpreters and the Pandemic Last week, we brought two interviews with interpreters who talked about how their work routine has changed in the times of COVID-19. Let's hear from two more colleagues and see how their experiences are similar or different. They'll introduce themselves, tell us how long they've been working as interpreters and what languages they work with. They'll share a bit about their routine before COVID-19 and how things have changed since social distance went into effect. They'll also tell us whether their assignments had been canceled or shifted to an online environment. Finally, they'll share suggestions with fellow interpreters on how they can adapt to our new reality during the global pandemic. Hello, guys. My name is Everton Moraes. I am Brazilian, but I live in New York, and I work in interpreting Portuguese and English. Before the, this whole thing started, I was working almost 50-50 between conferences and legal depositions. Uh, on average, about three to four days a week. Uh, that, that was my, my full-time job. Uh, the translation that I do is very minimal. It's mainly birth certificates and things like that. So that doesn't even affect my budget overall. It was mainly interpreting and interpreting in person. I don't do any over the phone, uh, and I wasn't doing any RSI. I had uh, quite a few events that were uh, canceled due to the COVID. One event that was going to be a 10-day event, that was canceled. And I had another event that was here in New York City that I had even uh, received a down payment for. I'm actually returning that down payment because obviously it wasn't, um, wasn't anybody's fault or, or miscommunication or anything. It's just, you know, some force majeure. But yeah, I mean, it really changed things from day to night. It was, it was a rough first week without knowing how things were going to happen, what was going to be next. But thankfully, I do have other sources of income. I have a construction company and I also have properties that I rent out. Thankfully, that uh, even on the, on the rentals, the income has kept coming. So it has been helpful in that way. On the construction side, that's completely stopped now, although I do have already some work scheduled. It's tough if you only have that one source of income and something like this happens. I can only imagine those who live solely off their income from, from interpreting, and especially conference interpreting. And I have some friends who do some medical interpreting. They said that has kind of fluctuated at one point. They weren't having too many calls, but now they're having quite a few calls, more than before. So maybe that is a good option for those who are looking for a, a, a way to keep going. 
an interesting part that is happening to me as well is that some companies that I did the assignments for in person, they're contacting me for remote simultaneous interpreting. They are not even sure how it works or how we charge or anything like that. Like it would be great to have some guidance in that respect in terms of deciding uh, some parameters for what should be a, a minimum, you know, how many hours of minimum, uh, how long a day can, can you still do uh, an eight hour day of conferences uh, remotely. I have done uh, work just about every week, except maybe for the first week, uh, interpreting every week on, on Zoom mainly. Today, actually, I used Uber Conference. I'm not sure that it's the same Uber, but <laughs> I think it's not the same Uber, but they all work out pretty well. On the Zoom, we're actually using Zoom on a main meeting, and I'm interpreting into a second Zoom meeting that I just used the phone line to connect into. So I have to use two headsets. I'm using actually earbuds from my phone into my ear. That's into the, the line that I speak into, which I don't normally, it's not much of a two-way conversation. And I put overhead headphones to listen to the main meeting that's, uh, that I'm watching on Zoom. Uh, one interesting thing that I started doing, I started interpreting the uh, press briefings for the governor of the state of New York. That's a, a volunteer, you know, not a, an official assignment, but just something volunteer that I decided to do for the sake of uh, my Brazilian community and other Portuguese speaking folks who don't, don't really dominate English that well. And then uh, at the same time, I'm actually recording. I, I start a Zoom meeting as I'm, I'm interpreting, and then I uh, launch it on a Facebook page that I have. It keeps me practicing. It, it keeps the community uh, kind of aware of what the government is doing. I think uh, he speaks uh, fairly clearly and, and in a good manner that, that you can follow with. I tried doing the, the federal administration, the, the White House coronavirus briefing, briefings and the information there comes very broken up so I tried I think once or twice and it didn't sound professional at all so I was like you know what can't do this I'll I'll just stick with the governor and I think I've done over 15 videos already and that's what I've been doing so doing a little bit of volunteer stuff doing a little bit of, of work to generate the income I did get some additional uh, translation work to do Things are, are not great yet, but I can see a light at the end of the tunnel and I'm learning a new way of doing this, you know, doing it virtually. It's funny because I had to set up a small desk in the basement, uh, which is a finished basement, so it's not that bad because my wife is working from home. So I gave her the office and she is pretty much working nine to five every day. I got my laptop and my desktop so that I have one screen to watch a meeting and a second screen to do any research and whatever else I may, I may need. Yeah, my suggestion is that, you know, we should always look for opportunities. I think every crisis brings with it an opportunity and we have the chance of making the best of it if we want to, if we apply ourselves. And I think this is a time to understand a new aspect of this business, understand it how, how it can be done remotely. Be flexible. That way you're not really caught between a rock and a hard place and when something like this happens.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Camila de Castro. I was born and raised in Belo Horizonte, capital of Minas State, in southeast of Brazil. I moved to the U.S. in 2006 after I graduated college back home, and I have been living here past 14 years, mostly in Boston, Massachusetts. I have been an interpreter, and sometimes I also translate for the past maybe eight, nine years now. It started very slow in the beginning. I was having pre-gym assignments here and there after I had just finished a program at Boston University for interpretation and translation. And it grew into a full-time career today uh, as a contractor and freelancing interpreter primarily. It happened over time with investment and quite a leap of faith towards something that I really wanted to be doing. I work with Brazilian Portuguese and English only. I do like studying other languages, but professionally, I only work with these two. Well, before the COVID-19, my routine as a language professional consisted primarily of maintaining my workflow in collaboration with mostly agencies, but also direct clients and even partnerships with other colleagues, fellow interpreters for conference jobs and, and things like that. At times, I would work with translation projects as well, but I would say that the bulk of my work and demand was for interpreting assignments throughout the entire state of Massachusetts. Sometimes, even New York City, I would do some cases and assignments there too. I have been very busy, especially the medical field. I was quite active in the court system here in Mass and um, an array of other environments, to be honest with you. It could be anything, depositions, law offices, school meetings regarding special education, immigration interviews. Conference interpretation was also something I was getting more and more familiar with in the past few months, and it looked like I was going to be busy in that regard as well. It's also very valid to mention here, my work was primarily on-site. I had not yet developed any interest at that point or had the opportunity to rely on remote interpreting. Well, as you can probably guess or imagine, things did in fact change drastically since the beginning of the quarantine. I was active and working until March the 13th. I was busy that week as well. So I did have maybe 40 to 50% of my work uh, lined up for the following days and a couple of weeks ahead when the whole thing happened. So, of course, cancellations were across the board, as you can imagine. All events and appointments were either put on a confirmation wait or standby or were just canceled right away, including entire shifts that I would be doing in some hospitals here in Boston. Some of the shifts were from eight to nine hours a day. So ever since, I have not been on site for any interpretation whatsoever. The transition to remote work has definitely not been smooth. It's been a little bit chaotic. Like I mentioned, I had not much need for investing into remote interpretation, but I felt that it was very important to try, especially as a medical interpreter. I did feel compelled to do all I could to help out, to be of service during times like these. 
one of the strongest bonds I had with the profession, this position that I had of helping someone with limited or no proficiency in English at all to navigate through the medical system. I knew that medical professionals would need people like us more than ever. Look, there has never been a blueprint for this type of operation. I mean, this switch. So it was a little bit heartbreaking and overwhelming to see how hard these people were trying to, to do that. You know, so the testing of platforms, apps, computer programs and systems to make this work possible definitely was taking a lot of energy from these people. Which, you know, the interpretation itself would be, wouldn't, I don't think it would be a challenge per se, but the, the effective use of technology for the first time for many of us, you know, to make this work properly, for instance, would be definitely a challenge. Right now, I'm currently still available for OPIs, but the demand just hasn't been the same even so. I'm guessing it's because a lot of us are still trying to switch from on-site interpretation to remote interpretation, and, and many of us might be available right now. There might be a lot of it availability. So as work demand went down, there was not much more that I could do. I knew that the best I could do was to basically take a deep breath, sit tight, and use my time and skills for other interests. Look, there is no blueprint for a situation as unprecedented as this one on how to properly navigate or operate in times like this in any area of our lives, despite of how similar some of us may be. Our approach and situations are so deeply personal. Even when sharing the same professional or social positions, nationalities even, I find a bit difficult to give any sort of gen generalized advice, which is, makes me think how fun it is that while these events are putting us all on the proverbial same boat, we also know that we are very much pulled apart individually for a number of reasons, especially psychologically and emotionally. I personally have seen this time as an opportunity for introspection, self-awareness, personal development, but of course with the normal anxieties and concerns as everyone else. It has been for me a time for reevaluate a lot and get more in touch with what I really want to do and go after when we go back to quote quote normal, which is another story. I don't quite believe things are ever going to be the same, but I also don't think it's going to be a bad thing either. I definitely think that we all chose a path that demands a whole lot of intellectual power and mental focus. I think it will be very important to be rested, wholesome in those aspects when it's time to resume our lives. So my advice would be take the best care of yourself. Be resilient. Send me an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on my anchor page. If I get enough feedback and voice messages, I can go back to the subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, my anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation dash confessional. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.